We've been talking the last few weeks about the book of Romans and specifically how we offer our bodies as living sacrifices in spiritual worship to God, right? Because, because of all that God has done for us in sending His Son to be the Savior of the world, because He loves us and reached out to us in that way, then our response is to respond to Him in worship. And we do that on Sunday mornings as we come here and we sing songs together. That's musical worship. And we set aside Sunday mornings so that we can do that together. But there is an aspect in which we also worship in everything that we do. That in everything that we do, we present our bodies, our physical bodies, as a spiritual sacrifice, as as a living sacrifice, as our spiritual worship. And we've been talking about that and over the last couple of weeks talking more specifically about what does that look like in specific areas? How do we do that in the way that we love each other and in the way that we encourage one another and and, uh, put up with each other and that sort of thing? And last week we talked about it in these terms, uh, that we should walk as though it were daylight all the time. Let us walk properly. As in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And and it's really important to do that, to, to present your body, to be thinking through in everything that I'm doing, how is this glorifying God? Right, But as soon as we start looking at how should I behave in such a way, how should I come to church, how should I change diapers, how should I go to work, how should I do all of these things in a way that it glorifies God, then as soon as we do that, we start thinking, yeah, this is the way, That's the, that is the way that it should be done. And we start looking around at all the other people who are not worshiping God in the same way that we're worshiping God. And so Paul makes a transition here to help us to understand how we ought to relate to one another as we all are coming to worship God. Have you noticed other people that you go, you know, that's not the way I would do things. Is it the wrong way? When they have the roast beef and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the corn... And they don't let anything touch? What? No, you put them all together so that you can taste all of that deliciousness all at once. And some of you are going, no! But that's because you're doing it wrong. That, that's, that's the attitude that we have. And even in worship, even in this time when we are coming to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, to worship Him in everything that we do, yet we can still end up in this judgmental place where we're going, you're doing it wrong. You're worshiping God wrong. You're living your life incorrectly. This is how you should do it. And in fact, as Paul is writing to this church in Rome, where there are some really uh, strong Christians who have come out of a Jewish uh, background, and there are some really strong Christians who have come out of a, a Gentile or Greek background, and, and they, they are now in this church together, and they're looking at each other going, what are you doing? 
That's not how you ought to worship God. You should worship God like this. And so he addresses that. In chapter 14, verse 1, he says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, each knee, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. Notice how he he starts. Now, and okay, we have just come off of that we are not supposed to get drunk, and we are not supposed to uh, practice sexual immorality, and there's not supposed to be a dispute and jealousy between us. And so now he starts and says, okay, so as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Now, I, I, sometimes this is hard for people. Because when you see somebody and you see what they're doing, and you, and you go, oh, okay, why don't you come over to my house? And we'll just get together and we'll just talk. Okay, so... Now that you're here at my house, I just want to tell you you're doing it wrong. No, don't, don't, welcome him. Welcome them. There, is diff- there are differences in the body of Christ. There are distinctions between us. We are not all the same. We don't come from the same backgrounds. We don't all worship in the same way. Some of you raise your hands. That's great. Some of you don't raise your hands. That's fantastic. Some of you like to stand, some of you like to sit, some of you would prefer to kneel. When you're worshiping God, wonderful. There should be variance, differences between us in the way that we come and that we worship God. And that should be okay within the church that we would do that. Too often we, we find ourselves in a church because this is my preference 
I really like the way that this pastor preaches. I really like the kinds of songs that they sing. I like the sorts of instruments that they use. I like the, this stuff and I don't like that stuff. And so I'm going to not go to that church, but I'm going to come to this church so that we're all the same. So that we're all the same. That way we're all happy. We all get to worship as comfortably as possible. We all get to do this together because we're all the same. So come on in as long as you're like us and you enjoy these same things too. And don't change anything. But that's not what he's talking about here. When, when there are differences between you, welcome the other person in so that we can all do this together. We can all worship together in different styles and different ways. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And he gives this specific example. One person believes that he can eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Here's this specific example. There were people that wouldn't eat meat in this church. I don't know, he doesn't bother to tell us exactly why they don't eat. In other places, there are people who won't eat meat because uh, it may have been sacrificed to idols. And so maybe that's what's going on here. There, there are some people who go, you know what, uh, because, because the meat may have been sacrificed to idols, I'm not going to eat it. Maybe they're, because they come from a Jewish background, they're looking at the kosher laws and they're going, I, I don't know that this meat has been prepared in a kosher way and so I'm just not going to eat meat at all so as to not uh, eat the wrong kinds of meat. Whatever it is, there is something about meat that for these people, they're going, if I eat meat, that meat is somehow defiled and would defile me in the way that I worship and so I'm not going to eat that meat. And then there are others who go, yes, meat. (laughs) Well, what if it's been sacrificed to idols? I don't know. Idols aren't anything. God is the only true God. And so I'm just going to eat meat. God provided meat. I'm eating it. Well, what if it wasn't prepared in a kosher way? Well, uh, Jesus has um, fulfilled all of the sacrificial laws, and so I'm not bound by all of those regulations anymore. And so God has provided the meat. Thank God for meat. I'm going to eat the meat. And so we have these two groups of people, one that eats meat and one that doesn't eat meat. And they're looking at each other going, that's not right. That's not right. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Don't, don't despise the, the person who, who doesn't. But you, you know how that goes, right? You, you have freedom to do this and you see somebody who's constrained and you go, oh, come. why are you doing that? It's meat. Why are you why are you acting that and why are you judging me? 
I have freedom to eat meat. Why are you judging me? And so you begin to despise that person who is different than you, who, who behaves in a different way, who worships God in a different way, and there becomes this tension between you. Meanwhile, the other person is over here going, what are you doing? It's like you have no standards at all. Meat? You don't know what's happened to that meat. You don't know where it's been. What are you doing over there? It's almost like you don't love God. I mean, if you truly loved God, you would give up meat. And this person is judging the salvation or at least the righteousness of that person over there. Because they're eating meat. And all people know that if you're really holy, you don't eat meat. And so we have this person who's despising and we have this person who is judging. And we have a division in the church over eating. What you do and what you don't eat. What? No. Welcome one another in. Now we, we look at this and we say, okay, there's this, this not just difference, but a label here. Weak. One of these people is weak and the other per- person is strong, I am assuming. Because we use the label for weak. And so, in my mind, as I'm reading this, I go, well then, this guy's right. I mean, obviously the meat eater is correct. Strong, better than weak. So he's right, and he's going to have to put up with the weak person. But actually, he's right. And then we begin to despise those people over there. Look, the, the distinction is not so great. It's not like one is better than the other or one is more holy than the other. We have a division between these two people who are looking down on and judging each other and neither of those is okay. That response is not okay. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Why is it that we ought to welcome one another and, and, and be in the same church together, worshiping together? Why is that? Because God has welcomed them. Do you mean to tell me that you are going to judge the person that God has welcomed? Do you mean to tell me that you are going to despise the person that God has welcomed? God has welcomed them. God is accepting their worship. We too ought to at least put up with their worship. They are presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice to God and God has welcomed them. He's welcomed them. We, we have to be careful. For, for the person over here, for, for the person who this labels as weak, we'll, we'll call it um, constrained. 
They, they have these, these constraints on what they're able to do that in the way that they worship. They put these constraints on themselves. This person has to be really careful. As they have put these constraints on the, themselves in order to better worship God, that they don't end up becoming legalistic and moralistic. That, that they don't put themselves in a position where they go, this is the way that I am earning my salvation, or this makes me better because I have these additional spiritual constraints on myself. We, we have to be careful about that. Whatever the constraints are, we have to be careful that we are not somehow making this uh, the way that we are approved by God or what makes us better than the people over there. Meanwhile, the people over here, the people who are less constrained, who have freedom in the way that they worship, they have to be careful not to just take that as license and do whatever they want. We can't just go do whatever we want and go, well, it's, it's fine. There are no rules here. No, that have freedom, but, but don't just take it as freedom, right? It, it's not just license to go do whatever you want so that it's self-gratifying. Both of these people are supposed to be doing this in the way that they worship God. I was trying to think about some examples of the, the way that we do things and the way that we relate to one another. What, what are some specific things in the way that we relate to people in the church? One of those things, we talked about it a little bit already last week, was alcohol. What do you, what do, you do with alcohol as a Christian? There are some people who go, uh-uh, no. Nope. No alcohol. Christians should not not drink alcohol. You're supposed to be giving your body as a living sacrifice to God. If I'm going to treat my body as a temple to worship God, no alcohol. I would not let that stuff come into my body. Then you have the person over here that's going, no, alcohol's fine. Alcohol's fine. Alcohol can, can be a, a, a form of celebration. There's nothing inherent about alcohol itself that is a problem. And so both of these people are in two different places. And the person over here shouldn't be judging the person over there and their freedom. And the person over here shouldn't be despising or looking down on the person over there. Do you know how many things there are like this in the church? Things that we have made barometers or scales or, or rulers to def determine or define whether or not we think someone is saved or how righteous they are. Everything from the kind of clothing that you wear when you come in on Sunday mornings. What are you wearing when you come to church? Some people come and feel like they, they can be very casual. Some people come in and they feel like they have to be very dressed up. Which of those is right? Well, afterwards, when you go home and you're talking with your friends who are dressed like you do, did you notice what they were wearing? 
or the way that we educate our children. Sometimes that's held up as a, a barometer and we go, okay, a homeschooling family, private school, public school. You know, if they were doing this right, they'd be doing it the way I am. I'm so grateful to be in a church where we have people that are doing all of those things. It is surprisingly difficult to find a church where you can feel comfortable whether you public school your children or homeschool your children. Why? Why is that? People got to judge. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. So welcome one another. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or he falls. And he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. (laughs) Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. When when I'm talking with my kids, and actually, if I'm honest, I remember the same thing with my mom talking to me. You are not the parent Why do you keep trying to parent your siblings? That's my job. I'm the parent. Stop trying to parent your siblings. That's not your job. That's not your role. You worry about you. All the parents are going, I know. Over and over again. Mind your own business. You worry about you. You worry about you. How are you worshiping the Lord? How are you behaving before the Lord? How are you giving your life to the Lord? How are you doing it? You worry about you. God will worry about them. And so when you're over here and you're going, I don't think they're going to measure up to what God wants. No, they will stand. They will stand before the Lord because the Lord will make them stand. And He will be upheld for the Lord is able to make Him stand. Don't think that it's because of your actions that you are able to stand before the Lord. The Lord will make you stand before the Lord. It is by His grace alone, through the gift of Jesus, who died on our behalf, that we are able to come into the presence of God and worship Him and offer our bodies and our very lives in worship to God. The only way that we can do that is because Jesus died on the cross for you. And when Jesus dies on the cross for you, God can make you stand. And when Jesus dies on the cross for them, God can make them stand. We are not to be in a place of judgment or despising the other person because God has accepted them and will make them stand. He goes on with a a new example. One person esteems one day better than another. 
while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. One person esteems the day, this is verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another, and another esteems all days alike. One person goes, you know, I have my Sabbath day. So the way that I treat Sundays, that's, that's a, the day of rest. And another person goes, all the days are the same. But... One person has established this, this rhythm of the way that they will do it. And the way that they um, decide, I'm going to have a day of rest, one person might say, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out to eat on my day of rest because that's my day of rest. And another person might go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go out to eat because I'm not going to make anybody else work on the day of rest. And both of them are treating this as a day of rest, and they're treating it in two different ways, opposite ways even, but fully convinced in their own mind, this is what I'm going to do as a, worship, a way of worshiping God. They're, they're convinced, this is how I'm going to do it, and thoughtful. Each one fully convinced in their own mind. And this is the way that it should be. It's not that we should just not think about these things and do whatever. But we should be convinced in our own minds, having thought it through and gone, this is the way I'm going to worship and this is why. These are the clothes I'm going to wear when I come to church. And this is why. This is the way I'm going to worship God in the way that I dress on Sunday mornings. This is the way I'm going to honor God in the way that I educate my children. And here's why. And your reasons and your reasons might be different. The, the outcomes might be different. The way you do it might be different. But the, the result is the same. We are doing this as a way of worshiping God. As I was thinking about the, these uh, observance of days, I was thinking, oh, hey, we're actually headed right into Lent right now. And all the Protestants in the room are going, what? Those, those 40 days before Easter, and there, there are other holy days and, and important days of the year. And some people go, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't do that. I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm not going to observe those days. Well, I, I'm not Jewish. I, I, don't, I don't observe those days. And other people are going, but do you know what you're missing? When you have this rhythm of worship, when you set aside a season to give intentional thought and perspective, to, to paying attention to who God is and what He's doing, that one is observing days, the other isn't observing days, both of them will stand before the Lord. And God is able to make them stand. And there's value in having rhythms. There's value in, in setting, sides, setting days and times aside. And there's value in having freedom and not being constrained by that. 
But being convinced in your own mind and having thought about it and going, this is what I'm going to do as my worship to God. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. And he also gives thanks to God. Whether you're taking a day of fasting and you're thanking God for his provision or you're having a shared meal Sunday and you're feasting together and celebrating, we're giving thanks to God. That's, that's what it comes down to. Over and over again, what it comes down to is presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God. And thinking that through and how we do that. And when that looks different than the way somebody else is doing it, we go, isn't it great? Isn't it great that we can be in the same church together and worshiping in two different ways? Isn't that wonderful? That we can be here together, united in Christ and worshiping Him and it looks completely different. That doesn't mean you never discuss the differences. You can talk about it. But you're not talking about those differences to judge and despise. You're, you're talking about those differences to understand. And it's a huge, huge difference. Because when I'm seeking to understand, I say, so you've made a different choice than I have. What, why did you make that decision? You made a different choice than I did when it comes to the way that you do alcohol. Why, why did you decide to do it that way? And you can talk it through and you can understand, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I support you in that decision. And then they could ask you, so why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to educate your children that way? Which is a different way than the way that we do it. Well, here's why. Here's the, the reasons that I do, did it this way. How come you observe Lent? That just seems weird to me. Well, let me explain to you the value of why I have done Lent and, and the, um, the value of doing a, a Monday, Thursday and a Good Friday in preparation for the celebration of Easter and the value that I see in that. Huh. That's wonderful. And we can, can learn from each other and appreciate one another and support one another and all be in unity here together Worshiping God, enriched by the differences. Enriched by the differences. But always giving honor and thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Everything you do is for the Lord. Are you going to be awake again tomorrow and breathing? For the Lord. Are you going to wake up tomorrow in heaven and have died and left this earth? For the Lord. Whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Because none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. And now we're looking at that going, wait a second. I think that the reasoning that they do those things is just for selfish reasons. 
wait a second, I think that the people over there, I think they're definitely doing it for selfish reasons. They're not doing it to the Lord. You can't know unless you, don't, unless you talk with them. But, but, but talk about it. And recognize for yourself, right? Now we're, now we're not looking at the other person at all, okay? Eyes forward. We're just, we're just looking at our own practices. Why do I do this? Why do I live this way? Am I doing it for the Lord? Because one of the things that, that I find is one of those times when I get jealous or despise or, or dislike those people over there, it's because I am not fully convinced in my own mind about what I'm doing. I find there are weaknesses in the armor. And I don't want to be called on it. And so my response is, is jealousy or judging the other person. So when you find yourself in that place, it's a good time to, to stop and go, okay, wait. Is what I'm doing for the Lord? Is what I'm doing for the Lord? Take those opportunities when, you, when you're feeling tension here to do a reevaluation here. Is what I'm doing for the Lord or no? So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. We're not acting out of pride. We're not acting out of fear. We're acting out of worship. We're, we're connected to this other person. Their motivation is the same as ours. We're both doing this for the Lord. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. (laughs) I love this. In verse 9, it was for this reason, it was to this end that Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. Jesus died and then came to life again so that he could be the Lord of everybody. Everybody. So, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? Why do you do those things? Because don't we realize we're all going to stand in judgment before God. This this can help so often when we, when we get tempted to look down on somebody else or we, we, get, we look at the problems in the world, I, uh, this happens for me just when I look at the brokenness in the world and I go, this is not right. I have to come back to the judgment of God and say, okay, God, I believe that you are just. And even though I see all that sin and all that brokenness out there, I am going to be at peace 
Because I believe that you are just and ultimately your justice will reign. You will judge all of those things perfectly and finally. That works on the big scale for me. When I'm looking at all the brokenness and all the sin out there, uh, that works for me to be able to go, okay, God, I can let go of my anger about all of this because I know you are going to deal with that in all justice. But the same thing works on the smaller scale when it's not uh, this um, big anger that I have about all that sin, but it's just my frustration with how that person just won't worship God in this way. It works on that ticky-tack stuff too. They're going to stand before God. They are accountable to God. And God is perfectly just. I don't have to worry about that. Sometimes I take over-responsibility and I'm trying to conform them to my image of what I think righteousness is. And God is saying, Stop it, Travis. That is not your role. That's my job. The work of the Holy Spirit will transform them. You worry about you. I will judge. I will be their judge. I will be their judge and I will be their judge based on the attitude of their heart and the position of their spirit as they come to worship me. Not based on the surface level stuff on whether or not you think they've dressed appropriately and when they come to church. Whether or not you think they should or shouldn't raise their hands during worship. Whether you think they should have their eyes opened or their eyes closed. I'm looking at their heart and I will judge them and you don't need to worry about that. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. He's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 45, which we read at the beginning of the service. And in verse 21, it says, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me. A righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. Only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Only in the Lord. Not in the actions, not in the behavior. And everyone is going to come to God and is going to stand before Him based on His righteousness and His strength. They will be made to stand by the acts of Jesus. So then each of us will give an account of Himself to God. 
And so we find ourselves in this place that as we are thinking about, and we've been talking about over the last several weeks, that we are to worship in the way that we act. Now as we look and see other people that are acting differently than we are, we understand they may be worshiping God in the way that they act too. It just looks different. They, they just have a different way of doing it. And each of us is convinced or should be convinced in our own minds that this is the way in which we will present our bodies in worship to God. And one of the things that we do as a church is once a month, this is our rhythm, once a month we have communion together and we all take communion together to show that when we come to God, we do it in unity. That Christ, yes, died for each of us. Each of us, our sin is forgiven when we believe in Christ. But also, collectively, we come together. All having come by by the same way. So whether we look the same, or whether we look different, or we worship the same, or we worship differently, we all come together and are unified in our righteousness before Christ and in our worship of Him. And often we will read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in, the, uh, in preparation, because there's some great verses that just say this is why we take communion. But never has 1 Corinthians chapter 11 been more appropriate than this Sunday. Because the context for Paul's writing to the church at Corinth is similar to the context for his writing to the church at Rome. In Rome, there's this division between the Greeks and the Jews, And he was writing to them and saying, look, don't judge one another, don't despise one another, but each of you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's writing to the church at Corinth and he's going, look at guys, you have this division amongst you and I'm hearing about it and I don't like it. And here's what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it's not for better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, in order for those, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. He's writing to this church that is divided and he's saying, look, when you come together for your shared meal and you're celebrating communion together, You're not doing that as worship to the Lord. You're showing up. You've got all this food. You're eating before everybody gets there. Some of you are getting drunk. Can you imagine? If we came here and we had communion together, only it wasn't together because some of you got here early, like at 8.30 before everybody else got here, and you ate all the bread and all the, all the juice. And then everybody else showed up. Uh, sorry, uh, maybe there are a couple scraps left for you. 
Can you imagine if you showed up to worship God and there were people in the back who were drunk because they'd gotten here early? Should we commend that kind of behavior? No! Look at all the disunity in the church. Look, Come together. Worship together. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And then the verses that we come to so often. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Look, let's give some perspective on this. Why do we come and why do we share the meal together? Why do we come and take communion together? Paul's saying, look... Have this perspective. The reason you're doing it is because Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, said, do this as a way of remembering Me. And instead you came in all selfishness and took all the food. The first people through the line got all of Bobby's ribs and nobody else got any. but remembering that the reason that we do it, and actually the reason that we as New Life Church take communion on the first Sunday and then go and share a meal together is for that very reason. It builds the community of the church and the unity of the church, and so we do it in such a way that it does that. And so we wait. We don't just go rushing over there and eat right away. We wait for us all to get there together. And you are generous in what you bring so that we can all have something to eat together. And you're conscientious as you go through the line so that what we eat, we can all eat together. So that we do this all together as a way of remembering that Jesus has made us one body in Christ. We do it as a way of remembering that His sacrifice brings us into the church all together. For as often as we eat the bread and as often as we drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. It is our spiritual act of worship to go next door after church today to eat a meal together. One of my favorite spiritual acts of worship. But whoever, he says in verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Which is the reason that many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the rest of the world.
So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. And about all the other things, I'll give directions when we come. This is what we are going to do right now. I'm going to pray, and during the next song, I would encourage you to come up and take uh, just a piece of bread and a cup. It's just a, a morsel, but you take it and you bring it back to your seat, and I will come up and we will do that as a way of acknowledging and remembering the Lord. We'll sing a couple more songs, and then I encourage everybody to come to the shared meal afterwards, and we will share a meal together and rejoice in all that God has done. And all of these things will be um, in an attitude of worship thanking the Lord for what he has done and an act of unity as well. Let's pray.